0: So Welcome, everyone. This is our monthly mastermind call with Mr. George Ross. George worked, of course, for Donald Trump for most of the last 40 years as executive vice president of the Trump Organization. He's been in business for 60 years, taught at the law school at NYU for over 20 years, the author of two best best-selling books. We are just so super fortunate to have access to his wisdom, his perspective, and his experience. So welcome to the call, George.
1: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: George, the first question is really about managing priorities, and I know we've talked about this or something similar in the past. I personally struggle with finding enough time to accomplish everything that I expect of myself, and I suspect there's many people on the call that feel the same way. And we've talked in the past about delegation as being the secret to multiplying yourself. However, today I'd like to focus on maybe a slightly different aspect. and I know from the way you and I have interacted, you know often I'll make a request of you, and sometimes you say yes, and sometimes you say no, but what I've observed is that when you say no, it seems effortless for you to say no. And I don't perceive any apparent conflict within you when you do say no. Whereas when I say no, sometimes I feel conflicted. Talk to me a little bit about your mindset and how it...
1: Well, the mindset is a, that's, that, that's a, a really good question, certainly, and a, a very good, good uh, situation. It's easy. You've got to you gotta learn to say no. And that's the end of it. Don't explain why you're sending no, why you're saying no. If you say no, no, that's it. And there's nothing further really to discuss. But once you start feeling guilty about saying no, the problem that you have is if you explain it at that point, then they try, some people are going to try to talk it out, talk you out of it if they don't like the fact that you said no. So once once you say no, that's the end of it. You made a decision. You should make it fairly, fairly quickly. And that's it. You live by it. You don't have to defend a no. It's as simple as that. So you got to get habit of just you know saying no and uh that's that's it don't feel that it's not easy but if you're truthful then that's the end of it you you just tell them this is, this is my, i hear what you're saying and i'm giving a careful consideration but the answer is no and the story
0: it sounds so simple
1: it is simple if you do it
0: <laughs> exactly
1: but you but you feel it will- when you say no" at that point, the other person has the right to that that you've done something wrong. If you haven't done something wrong, you've done right because at this point, if you don't if you try to defend it what have you, they're going to try to talk you into it, and then you're defensive It's going to be worse than just saying no,
0: yeah, that makes perfect sense.
1: you don't have to give yeah. reason, so just you know end the conversation and they respect you for it. So if you say you want me to tell you the truth is this, I didn't listen, listen to what you had to say or got involved, but the end, my answer is no, I'm not going to do it, or I don't think it's right. That's the end, of the end of it. Get used to it. It'll save you a lot of time and effort and certainly a lot of explanations.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Okay, next. Next question is from Sonia What's, Lee. Sonia, are you on the phone?
1: Yes, go ahead. Who we got?
0: We're looking for Sonia. Sonia, if you could unmute, press star six. Hi,
2: can you guys hear me now?
0: Yes, can I can hear you perfectly. fine
2: okay great go ahead sorry about that okay our question is we are trying to do a deal with partners who are expertise who has expertise in operational intensive investment such as hotel and the success of the project very much depends on their effort and their expertise and we are trying Trying to safeguard against the potential event that the partners are uh, non-performing in Mm -hmm. a situation where we have to protect our investors' capital by basically letting go of that management party and hiring somebody else. Now, Mm -hmm. if the, if the, our partners who are also the operators, um, are sponsors in these fields, their they're joint venture partners, is it sufficient to have, agree to an arrangement where we can Replace their property management duty alone, or does it is it necessary to also buy them out, uh, meaning buy out their economic? uh,
1: No, no. I understand where you're coming from at this point. The answer to the, the, the first part is yes. You should have the right to buy them to the right to replace them if they're not doing their their role as property manager. If you think somebody else could do it better, then you hired somebody else, and that's the end of that. You don't have to buy them out. The equity at this point, whatever it is, they're not performing the function. The basic problem was created the way you set it up. In other words, you have somebody who has the financial investment as a, as the sponsor, also performing some other type of a task. So you're assuming that they have the expertise and they will do it. But if they don't, then you have the right to re- replace them. And this, th- that's that's it. This, this is the end of the story. There's nothing to talk about, and you don't have to buy them out. Okay. I mean you could you don't think but it's i would i would say I would put in some type of they're entitled to some type of criteria as to what you're doing or or what what the reason what the cause was that you decided to replace them so there may be a, is it is it a question of return a question of how they're how they're perceived in the in the marketplace so uh, there could maybe be some guidelines as to so it's not totally arbitrary but once you once you had those guidelines that's the end of the story you don't have to defend it. And it's uh, the the problem basically is having someone who has a has a financial interest also run the business. That's the problem. Separately. Okay, so you business.
2: think it's sufficient to be able to separate out the two interests? Absolutely.
1: Not to, and I wouldn't wouldn't buy them out under any set of facts. Okay. The, reason, okay. the reason I the reason I say well, there's a reason for that. The reason is that in the event that they have a buyout provision, maybe their performance is on the basis to get you to buy them out. You understand? They're going to I'm, hey, I'm, not, I'm not happy with the whole arrangement, so I'll just if I just run it down so to a point where they're not happy with it, they've got to buy me out because they have no choice. You should have a choice at this point. The choice is merely to stop them from being the property manager and getting some independent person or some group in there to replace them. That's the that's that's what what you should do, and that you don't have to do any more than that by any means. And they're right. like just another investor. Perfect. Well, no, okay. Perfect. Well, that saves that's us a lot
2: reason. of. That it is a lot of a difficult negotiation process. I appreciate that. Yeah, Sonia, do you have you uh... have
1: the right to remove it? You you have the right to retain retain control and Mm -hmm. hire a property manager. Okay. And the only thing I'm suggesting, if you can figure it out, is maybe to make it easier at this point that you have some some guidelines under which you're going to look at what they do and judge it. So make some criteria. I don't know whether it's fine, the ability to have income or what you, what you have over a period, whatever guidelines you think are important, what are they supposed to be doing as the property manager that you think is important? The guidelines was if they don't do that, that's the end of it. But there's no discussion. In other words, if you if you interpret, if you think it should be done, you do it. It's not subject to further, further, further review that they have to defend it. Does he make a lot of money as a property manager?
2: Well, they're they're partners. and. We, yeah, I mean, they, obviously we trust their uh, ability to have a successful operation. Um, I understand.
1: But, yeah. But the, yeah, that, that's, that's fine. But the, the, they were also, the, the, the private, their financial investment is a sponsor and they have also a vested interest to make it work. That should be fine. If it okay. does, good. If it doesn't, you got the right to replace them.
2: Okay. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Sonia, are you having one class of shares or multiple class of shares?
2: We have uh, shares for the equity investment, passive investors, and then we have shares for the sponsors, you know, pop a share. So two layers.
0: And uh, what's the voting structure of those shares? So, for example, if, if your property manager is getting voting shares alongside as the sponsors, can they possibly exercise control?
2: Yes, they can. And so... You know, there's two folds to maintaining control of whether they perform or not. Uh, one is the ability to fire them as a property manager. But in order for us to fire them, we also have to maintain control of the management company itself in which they're partners.
1: Yeah. Okay. You understand it. But you try, you try you can, you can to keep it separate. In other words, what they have, the role of the sponsor should not be the same as the role of the property managers. So that you, mm-hmm. you got a potential conflict. I don't know why. You have that as a property manager, they even have a vote. As a sponsor, they can have votes. But as a property manager, that should be, assume now it was an independent third party property manager. Would they have a vote? No. (laughs) No. So why, why, so the right to vote or the right to control the partnership should not come through the property management phase of it. It should come through the ownership, the, the ownership phase or the equity phase.
2: I see. So they give them the
1: right and the equity thing, but at this point, and you may somehow at this point you may give them I don't I don't know they may, you may give them some weighted voting as a possibility. I don't know what the arrangement is, but certainly it shouldn't be that they can have control because that that defeats the whole purpose.
2: Mm-hmm. The whole
1: purpose is, is is the whole purpose is to have a, a smooth functioning organization, a smooth functioning partnership, and the equity portion is only one part of it and the returns to those are one part of it, but the, 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 and the management or the operate, that's, that's another part, but that should be separate and distinct. Okay.
2: Got it. Okay. Thank
1: you. Okay. Thank you so much. No problem.
0: Perfect. Next question is from Dave Zook. Dave, are you on the line? I know you're on the line. Let me unmute you here.
3: (laughs) Hey, yeah, I'm here. Hi George. So question I'm getting ready to get into a partnership with some guys They've run a very successful Jersey Shore resort property. Or actually, a couple of them. There are three resorts on the Jersey Shore are voted number one, two, and three in the state of New Jersey. So there's there's three potential. It's like a three-way potential partnership. The one guy is sort of semi-active investor, and he's probably worth nine figures. And he'll be the he'll be the guy that guarantees and and brings the. Debt portion of the of the money. Yeah, good. So then he's, he, he's go
1: ahead. He's the guy who's giving you the money. You're getting the securing financing.
3: Yeah, and then there's a, a second guy who's a very active business partner. He's the guy that you know. He's on the ground. He's making it happen. He's he's responsible for the success of the organization for the most part. He's probably worth seven figures, and they're trying to bring me in because they went down the Wall Street route to get the money, and they saw how they they didn't feel like it was a fair deal, and they like our syndication model, and they were actually the one guy was in in uh, Dallas when you were George, so he he likes the he likes the syndication model, and he wants me to raise the money. So with that being said, what do you think would be a fair partnership split? Would it be? One third, one third, one third. Would it be something else? What, what are your thoughts?
1: Well, the thought is, what you're doing is you. It's one third, one third, one third. Is is nice because it's the easiest way to do it. You know, it's the most convenient. Whether or not all of the phases, all of the interests are the same or, or equal, is always something that you you could find hard to do to agree on because they're not. But you have to figure out what the worth is to when the the one that gets the secures is financing. All he's doing is furnishing the secure. Does that get him one third of the partnership? I don't know. You could say yes or not. The other one is more important. Would be the other one that does is active in the business and is a driving force. That he's but that's really the management of the operational functions. So that's not the same as raising the money. And then you got you putting the whole package together. I would think that the best way of doing it is to make it one third, one third, one third. Okay. Okay, make it one third, one third, but have some some measure some criteria on which okay. you can basically change the percentages in the event that the partners don't perform. So okay, if the guy doesn't raise the money at that point what happens? He loses he gets diluted if he can't do what he's supposed to do. And the same thing is the one on the operations can't is the operations are not working right. There has to be a dilution there too, not a wipeout, but a dilution.
3: That makes sense. Yeah, that, that certainly makes sense. Yeah, okay. and and now that's go the ahead. way that I sit
2: to to them to go one third, one third, one
1: third, and and I think that makes sense. But yeah, I wasn't I wasn't sure if I was thinking straight. No, it's a, it's, it's not thinking straight. Let me tell you this that. Having been in the partnership my, they're going back to my law firm, we had four man, four partners four four managing partners of which I was one. We were all equal, and the only that saved a lot of argument because the one that brought in the business says, "Well, I bring in more of the business, I ought to get more than twenty five percent and the other one, and I would always say, "Wait a minute, I, without you bringing a business, but i'm the one that does the work I ought to bring I ought to have more than twenty so and the among themselves one will say I work harder, I work longer i'm you can argue among, among the partners who does what and how much there is, but there was no dispute because they were equal. And there was no dispute. There was that, that final re- Otherwise you'd be, you could be doing it forever. If, okay. if you, if you talk to the wives of any of the partners, they will tell you their husband is working harder than anybody else in order to get more. So it's uh, I would think do it equal equally. And that's the argument. Later on, as things develop at that point, you can always make adjustments.
3: Yeah. Okay. By the way, that that was a very good question by Sonia and I like your answer. I we're in a situation like that where our agreement is written up so that we have to buy out the the manager who's also a partner in the deal if we fire him. So no, that was that was very good.
1: Yeah, well it just happens at this point. No, that's uh, that's that's wrong. You know what, All right, so, him. You don't you, you don't you know, you it's the old thing you don't throw the baby out with the, the bath water. At this, when you got the problem, you you saw that if he doesn't, somebody doesn't perform their function, then they, they, you don't have to buy them out. You shouldn't, they shouldn't get a get a bonus for for not performing.
3: Yeah, makes sense. Second part of my question on that same on that same deal with the with the resort, I question them long and hard because a lot of my deals that I get into, there's some sort of recession proof. Or recession-resistant aspect to them, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, how does that fit into that into that recession? But this is like vacation property, and their their argument is, and I, I, you know, I know you've done a lot of deals and you've been through ups and downs and everything in between. Their argument is, we live or our resorts are within. Four hours of—I forget—it was—it was like sixty percent, or some high, some some high percentage of the population and a high percentage of the income or, or wealth in of the country being so close to New York City and the East Coast and all that—and he said, "Well, you know, when when that happens, people will stay closer to home. They won't go to Cancun, Hawaii, and some of those places. They'll come to Jersey Shore." I'd be interested to hear what you what you would think or, well, I or if can, you would okay, agree, agree a, with a, that.
1: A, that's a good, good question. I think the area is good and will always be good. The Jersey Shore has been going for a long period of time. However, I think more important is the is the hotel facilities and how they're maintained. Are they up to date to the current basis? Are they been putting money in for FF&E, you know, furniture, fixtures, and and equipment, and so that so that you entice vacationers to go there. So I think there's a selling job which is involved, and the selling job is not location because the location you have. The selling job is the facility within the location.
3: That makes sense.
1: So if, if that, if if you have a, if the facility is good, good reputation, you've done your advertising and you've, you get the promotions, then the answer is yes. I think it that, 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 that would work very well. If if it is, if it's not, you've got a problem also at this, you know, you've got a problem between hotels and the B&B as uh, people will now go to where they have, instead of a hotel room, cheaper, I'll go where I got bed and breakfast in the same general area, I'll still be on the beach in, Atlanta, in, the, in Jersey, but nevertheless, I don't have the, I don't, don't pay for the hotel facility. That can be overcome because if you have the hotel, if the hotel fu- furnishes good value for what it is they do and people want to go there. In other words, the idea you want to get the hotel st- vacationer that's willing to go to a hotel and pay for the benefits and for all the the facilities that are there, not someone who just needs a room, a room, in, a, and the beach alongside it. So that's where the competition is. But assuming that they have got it and it's, it's run well, it's a, the great. The, the Jersey Shore has always been very strong.
3: Uh, it, it is a very well, you know, very well run organization. It's one of the things that attracts me to them. So,
1: yeah, yeah, no, and I don't, good. I don't think, I don't think that it's a question of the four hours at this point. So Jersey City, there's enough. Population areas in Jersey Shore that are fine. You got New York at that point. You got certainly Philadelphia. You got Baltimore that are all in proximity of the yeah. Jersey Shore. The Jersey Shore has one major that's with the ocean and the beach. That's what it is. So basically, okay. that's, you know, that's what it is. Also, in fact, the Jersey Shore, the area that you have is you still have gambling there in Atlantic City. So that's another But but you're not putting them up in the hotel but you're right there. So that's mm-hmm. another Advantage that you that you have, and that will that will be there for the foreseeable future, and it's a, it certainly is an attraction of sorts which you don't have somewhere in say Key West or what have you.
3: Yeah. So I
1: think you've got to look looking at. I I think that it makes it makes a lot of sense to continue if they're good operators and they know what they know what they're doing and the things is worked out and they're willing to continue it. In other words, are they going to yep. maintain and build some type of a reputation? Do they operate the three resorts under one name? They do. Okay, so that's it. So they just built a name. If they built a name, yep. they built a brand and operated a brand. That's great, and I yep. will continue to improve the brand so people know what if they went there what they can expect because they get a certain quality of the service. That's great. Okay. They run certainly on the right track. I think it's, it's you know it's, it's good, but it's vacation property is is always a question. If mm-hmm. in fact the economy goes good, which it has, and with what's going on with the present track. Tax structure that's now different in this. I think that vacation properties, vacation properties are, are good, good investment because I can see people spend, people who ordinarily wouldn't go because they didn't have the money now they have some extra money and do it. So now you say the average person, no matter how it is, is going to end up with like a two thousand or two thousand dollars more in in, its, in pay than they had before or available. What are they going to do with the money? The answer is they're going to use it to, to have fun. Yeah. That's my feeling. Good feedback. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Perfect. That was a great question, Dave. Actually, Dave, just for clarification for the some of the folks on the phone, when you're talking about one-third, 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 you're talking about the sponsor share. The equity investors, of course, would have their share. And what you're talking about is just the sponsor share, correct? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so this next question is from Michael Reimer and uh, Michael had a prior commitment, could not be on the call. So I'll ask the question on his behalf, and he'll have the answer in the recording. So he has a business where he has a key employee who is bright and ambitious, demonstrates a high degree of initiative, and Michael wants to keep him meaningfully engaged in the business and wants the compensation structure to reflect that. So George, what are your thoughts on the approach? Whether it's to use a bonus, maybe tied to performance, profit sharing, or an equity position in the business? Now. He doesn't have the financial means to contribute to, to the company. Let's say if there was a capital call, so he's leaning away from an equity position. What What are your thoughts on the approach?
1: Well, you got uh, I, I, the equity position. is not. Let's put it this way: it's equity. It's not. You have a share of the business, but you don't have equity. In other words, you don't. You're not going to charge him for that. In other words, that you're going to give basically as a gift of sorts. You can put a value on it when it's done, depending on the value of the company and the value of the stock, but you're not going to get cash for it. In other right. ways, you're going to carry it. You may get a note that he's going to pay it back at some point in time. When, when, and if the thing, when and if the business is sold or the the entity is sold, that the, he didn't get it for we didn't get it for free. But it's like you give him a stock position, but he doesn't pay for the stock position. But right. it has a value, and at that point, as what the stock would, what the value would be exactly what he would pay in the event that he bought it. Now, he's not buying it, so he basically gives you a note, which is the same thing, but the note you can't cash, cash the note, it's secured by the stock position, but that gives him the position, but if there is a, if there is ultimately a sale and a buyout, that could be turned into cash. It's an equity position, which but he didn't pay for it, and there are no capital calls as a result of it.
0: So it could be something like a restricted share or perhaps even a stock option grant?
1: Correct. Correct. Absolutely.
0: Okay. Any so he's thoughts as so to-
1: he's got, he's, Give them a share of the business. That's the way to go.
0: That's better than profit sharing.
1: Definitely a share of the business. Well, it's okay. not better than profit sharing at that point because the profit, the share of the business covers a whole gamut of different possibilities. The business could be doing good, but the profits are not there. Uh, that doesn't mean the business is not good. The business it. can have a future, just didn't have it for that year. And the same thing with bonuses. Bonuses depend on what you have in a given year. If the same thing with profit sharing, well, you say bonus that the problem you have with bonuses is once you've established giving bonuses, stopping it is difficult Right. because they say, well, this is what I got last year and they will think I will have more this year. And it's, it becomes a, a problem.
0: becomes expected
1: because it's they, they, something they expected the same yeah. way. Right now, profit sharing is okay. It's great too. But then how do you determine profits? It's the question. Sure. There was his profit before expenses, after expenses, after all salaries have been paid? So it's not a bad idea to have profit sharing, but you could also have on the profit sharing that that goes to pay for the cap, for the the equity position he got.
0: That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So now at
1: that-, that point, now he's got cash, and he's he's got cash, and he's he's got skin in the game.
0: I love that answer. I know there's another a number of business owners on the call with similar questions on their minds. So this is. Very timely, perfect.
1: Yeah, but it's it's certainly I, I would would highly recommend if they have somebody who's who's very good good employee, make them part of the business. That's the key. At any event, he leaves, he, he or she leaves, they're gone. They they don't, they don't this equity position is gone. On the other hand, if they paid into it because of the profit sharing share, and they so the note now has been reduced. Okay, they still have some. They're still entitled to whatever they paid into it. Or in some way that would come back to them.
0: So on departure, they they lose the shares, or would you have a vesting period that no. says
1: on the part if they haven't paid anything, they lose it. If they have paid, they get they're still entitled to what they paid in, but you don't have to buy that at that point of, upon their departure at that point. When ultimately, when the company is sold, or there are distributions which are being made, they're entitled to get their share of the distribution, depending upon how much equity you've given them.
0: I see. All right, very good. Okay, next question involves managing new relationships. And George, a number of us have spent the last 10 days or so on the Investor Summit at sea with 234 people on a big old cruise ship. And in that time period, um, over 100 were new attendees that had not attended the summit before. So there's great opportunity to deepen existing Mm -hmm. relationships as well as meet dozens of new people. Now, when you go to an event, whether it's, I don't know, a charity fundraiser or a conference, you've got the opportunity to meet lots of new people. How do you approach that? Do you try and meet just a few people? Are there specific folks that you want to make a point of meeting? What's the follow up after the event? Do you try and meet as many people as possible? What's your strategy?
1: Well a strategy basically would be, first of all, is that if you got a list of the attendees, which which I'm sure you have. That would have would have had especially on your you know, the the event at that but the whoever is gonna be there at that point, you got to you, you would know there's the a list of them somewhere they got to, they came to the event, they signed up, I'm sure they pay for, <laughs> to attend your event. So I would get the attendees. And if you have as far as the attendees, they should fill out some type of a, a form, information form, who they, where they live, who they are, what their business is, what they're looking to get out of the event. So something that would give you an idea of how, how you would, would treat them or what you would be what they would expect and what you you would be willing to or and they anticipate you're going to give them this of value to them in the in the event so i assume you get these i mean I don't people know. just don't go
0: yeah i don't know that that information is broadly disseminated to all of the attendees i expect that the uh, it shouldn't
1: be no no right. i'm not saying to all of the attendees i'm not, okay. I'm not saying the information is something you're looking at at you or what it would be in other words assuming now I wanted to network with somebody that was there. Fine. Now I have to get the information. So I would pick out the one. What am I looking for? Am I looking for somebody that's got a lot of money? And that's part of what I would know at this point. Somebody that's part of a major organization, somebody that's got the technical expertise or part of it, uh, how long they've been in business, where they live. So all of these things would be important. And then you pick out which ones you you want to focus on. And so you, you get to them. So that you 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 got to You can't just do it with a broad net and you speak to everybody. You want to you want to get speaking and get involved, networking with those that will be most helpful to you in what it is you're trying to accomplish.
0: That makes sense. And typically, and then
1: you cultivate them. Yeah. Yeah, and you cultivate them, and you 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 get to meet them, and he, and you you already have a, a basis because from the information which you've gotten of the attendees, you can now speak to that person directly. Hey, Joe Smith, I want to talk to you because I notice you have a business and you hire a 300 employees and you're located in New Jersey. And I have the following situation. Here's what I do. I I make investments in real estate and I see you, would you be interested in that? So you, you now can make a direct call because you have some information that that, that gave you the in to make the call. Now the person is not is not going to say no. You know, as I see see this, where you got a very successful business. If you, if you, you give me give me ten minutes, give me a half hour, or what have you, I can show you how to make your business a lot better. What are they going to say? No,
3: right. Or right. Let's have
1: a few drinks at this. You do you're on the right track, or I can show that you there's an area that you didn't go into at this. You, maybe you don't have the up to date technology. Maybe technology can work it. Maybe at this point you don't have the the, the, the PR. So you got enough. Areas or to be to to get to peak their imagine their their curiosity, and yeah, the answer is sure. Nobody's going to say no. Nobody's going to say I'm happy with it is because they're there. They want to obviously they want to improve. They have something that the the reason that they're there is not that they're happy with what they're doing. It's just that we think they can be doing something better. So weeding out, winning out, so you get the right people that you want to talk to. That's what I that's what I would do.
0: Very good. Any thoughts in terms of how long to wait after the event before before initiating a follow
1: up? No, fall? it depends on how what relationship you develop in the event. Okay. And in the event, that's very good. Right now is not the time for. We, we so you now say we had the event. So look, what I'm talking about to to improve your business is, is very general. We really have to spend some time together if you spend some time how about giving me let's go out to lunch we'll go out to dinner or what have you and then i can give you a a broader view of what i think will make sense for you now if they say yeah that's great good give me your email address and so whatever it is what dates are better for you where you live and then we'll set something up then once you've once you've done it when you get off the ship and you're now on, on dry land at that point you call them up at your convenience and say you know we discussed and i'd like to take it to the next step very good and when the question, question comes up, who do you follow up? Are going to follow up with the best leads. Get rid of the get rid of the ones that are, that are duds or they get nowhere or don't they'll, they'll indicate that they, that you don't think that they're they're ripe for uh, for what it is that you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So just uh, so concentrate on the ones that that you think might be success might be appropriate for what it is that you're trying to sell or what you're trying to develop.
0: Very good. Okay, next question. This is one from from our business, and this is a a little bit of a complex situation where we've been negotiating access to our own property with a neighbor, and there is a public right-of-way on the neighbor's property, so there is a a road easement, and the easement is not in dispute. However, when the city built the current roadbed, they built it outside the right-of-way, and it actually encroaches on the neighbor's property, Mm -hmm. and it's been the case like that for over 15 years. But only now they're objecting to the road, even though it's been in existence for that whole time, because they don't want our project to exist. So they're trying to obstruct our project. Now, the landowner who, for our land, donated a strip of land to the neighbor to enable the construction of the road. So there was this quid pro quo, I'll give you the land, you, put a, you build a road. Now, that was never captured properly in the deed. The deed says, if a road is built, we'll name it after the landowner, but it doesn't the deed doesn't require the city to build the road. And the landowner believes that, you know, there was a, because of, there was this prior verbal agreement, they are, in fact, standing their ground that they, in fact, have right to access their property and the city must build it. Now, we don't want to go the route of litigation because that means we would lose control of the timeline of getting this resolved. And time would be... Go ahead. Yeah, it would be far more costly, you know, time-wise to, to have that. We also have an additional trump card, if you will, uh, that really amounts to a nuclear weapon. And we don't want to use that because it would potentially give us tremendous negotiating leverage, but its use would be disproportionate and it would be divisive in the community. You know, you know when you talk talking about taking down politicians and things like that, it gets really messy. So we're thinking we should go the nice route and offer a pragmatic cash settlement to compensate them for this, that small encroachment. It's probably the quickest solution, even though it doesn't feel right. You know, it's, it, it, we're, we already have the right to use the road. What are your thoughts? You know, should we be concerned about them launching a frivolous lawsuit against us to further delay? No. Us? Okay.
1: Well, let's go to the answer. First of all, it's an interesting situation legally from a legal standpoint, and I have uh, been involved with it many times in different jurisdictions. Jurisdictions, mm-hmm. but you have a, a a right a right of adverse possession, and this has been recognized for years in the in law everywhere, and every state has it. In other words, if you are inside so somebody else's property, even though you have no right to be there, but you're on somebody else's property, and you've either you've done something like you fenced it off, or you're there, or you're on Wisconsin, and as far as your use of it is open, you no, know, so that they can see it. Certainly, you have a road. That's the use. Mm-hmm. And it, once you have it over a period of years, you got a good right. You got a uh, you got a, an easement by prescription. In other words, that you, you have the right to use it because you've been using it all along. Where's the property?
0: It's in Louisiana. In
1: yeah, Louisiana, the the law, the statute is ten years. If you've had this, if you had a situation, you've been using it for ten years. You got the right to use it forever. Simple as that.
0: Very interesting. Okay.
1: So now is now the if you want to buy peace, you can do it. You can say, good, look, we have the right to do it. We have the right under the, we have the right. This has been there for now hour period of 15 years or what have you. And it's a road and it's been built, albeit it's somewhat on your property. Yeah. Okay. We may rather, but give you a reasonable price for the fact that we have, we're using part of your property. So we want to have a, a perpet, an easement in perpetuity forever. So we've got an easement and we give you a certain amount for it to have you agree to it. If you don't, you're stuck with it anyway, but you won't get any money. Which is where they are. That's that's your bargaining position.
0: Do you think we would need one. to litigate to assert that right of adverse possession?
1: No, no, no. They got to, They got to, They got to litigate to get you out. Ah. No, it's not you. Don't you, you? You? You're there. They have to say you have no right to be there. You're a trespasser. You have no right to be there. Until, and you're on our property, and we got the right to draw. And that they that's not a situation they're going to win. Because when you go to court, go to court, the judge is going to say, Well, hey, the guy's been here for more than fifteen years on the road. Why didn't you object earlier? What's the defense? What can you say? I didn't know. What have you? So it's, and this, this is, this, it's not a, it's not a theory. It's a concept is very, very well rooted in in law and certainly in in every every state to cover a situation where there has been some taking, not taking, but a use of somebody's property and where somebody puts the fence in the wrong place or what have you at this point in over a period of time. Yeah, they own, they they encroached on somebody else's land, but now they say it's inside the fence. They're entitled to it. They get it by the by d- 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 years, unless the owner objected at an earlier point in time. And the statute is very clear. In other words, once, once you got to the 10 years, goodbye, that's it. You can't say, well, how about if I did it nine years? Right. 10 years, 8 years, 12 years, 10. Once it's 10, you're there. And there's another situation which is, which is covered, which comes up, and that is the question, there is such a thing as attacking ear theory. And that's if not only you have used that property or the road, but somebody else has used the road for a longer period of time or an equal period of time, they're enti- that, then that makes the case that much stronger so it's not only we're involved but you got somebody else involved and therefore you you now you keep, the the court is more predisposed to say well wait a minute they got five people using the road or two people using the road not just one why are you objecting to this so it's it's the situ- then don't I wouldn't worry about a lawsuit from them at all because it's not as a lawsuit they're not going to win right but I wouldn't do it I don't even think they're going to raise it so you, the other thing if you went back to them and you said look yeah, we have the absolute right to stay here under the under the the, the, the rules in, in Louisiana. However, we want to be a nice neighbor. We want to make peace. We're using a little bit of your property. We want to put, 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 turn it out to a, reason, a real a real easement so that we don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. That's the best approach. But I wouldn't certainly uh, you know throw a tremendous amount of money on the table because their position is is weak. Right. But to being a nice guy, and if you, if, if it comes up, it's a, hey, speak to your lawyer. Tell them speak to you, speak to the lawyer, and you'll know what rights you have.
0: Yes, yes. Tell them
1: what this is, what there is with adverse possession or a, a prescriptive a, a, a easement by prescription.
0: I love it. Very good advice, George. Thank you so much.
1: Okay, so I but I wouldn't worry about a lawsuit from that, from them, and I would, right. certainly wouldn't bring a I wouldn't bring a lawsuit on your behalf. Why do you bring a lawsuit to to get a right which you already have? Got it. You don't need a legal. You don't. You need it it's only only in the event that they try to take it away. Then I would. Then I would do. Then that's a different story. Until that, relax.
0: Okay. And if they do try to take it away, what would be our what would be our remedy?
1: No, no, no. Wait a minute. Hey, hey take this Let's see what if they do. If they do do try to take it away, do that. Ask ask me the question on the next telephone call. Okay. Okay. Ain't gonna happen.
0: Okay. All right. Perfect. And
1: they may threaten, but it's not the threat. Is not that. In other words, they got. If they start a legal action, that's a different story. But I don't see them starting it because they're not going to win it. So it's more of a nuisance action than anything else. But you can worry about it if and when it happens. Okay. Okay.
0: Perfect. All right. Next, Uh, we have a couple more questions, but uh, I want to get to one of our member questions. Sep, and unfortunately, we didn't send this in in time. Uh, Sep, are you on the line? You can press star six to unmute.
2: Okay. Can you hear me now, Victor? Yes. Hi. Thank you. Hi, George. I had a a uh, question regarding an active lawsuit that I'm involved with. You gave some great advice during the Real Estate Guys of Syndication event two months ago. This is a scenario where we're having to sue our insurance company uh, for some hail damage that was done to one of our apartment buildings, and I'm going to be going to deposition uh, this May, and I've never done a deposition before. Uh, we have a good attorney involved. I, I plan on telling 100% the truth, but I was wondering if you can share uh, any any advice. Just so that I don't fall into any type of traps or just anything i you know anything that you'd recommend to a client when you know they're they're doing a deposition, so I don't know if, if you can share any pointers with that
1: yeah no the point is the answer is that i can't i can't because it it's it depends on the factual pattern of what you're being deposed for, in other words, the nature of the action is and that really is. Something that you have to be guided by your whoever's representing you, and they know that they know the facts, they know the the, the laws all of it, the, the surrounding the facts, and they can basically prep you on uh, on how to answer the deposition. Not that you're going to lie, but how not to volunteer things that you don't have to do. But that's a, that's a technique. But you can't talk about it in the abstract. You could only talk about it in the actual situation. And I'm not, I'm not a litigation lawyer,
2: so I'm I'm not your guy. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'll, uh, yeah, I have a conversation with them beforehand. i was just wondering, Absolutely. as far as uh, yeah, I mean, and that you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said not not volunteering more information than needed. So maybe that's just something. That- no,
3: that's
1: it. And just answer the question. You know, we're going to be asked specific questions, unless the deposition may be in writing, which I don't know. But you answer the question. Don't add. Don't don't embellish it. You don't have to explain okay. your answer that point. If you can answer yes or no, do a yes or no. Keep it as short as possible.
2: Excellent. Okay.
1: Thank you. That's that's my feeling generally for depositions, but uh, be guided by your lawyer, who's much more involved with litigation than I am. Perfect. Perfect. Okay.
0: Okay. Next, George. We've talked about the economic cycle before. In fact, even a couple of months ago, we talked about it. And I know from that conversation that you're bullish on the economy. At the same time, we know that we're in the fourth quarter of this current economic expansion, and there's a spectrum of opinions. In fact, on the Investor Summit at Sea, we had a number of you know pretty smart people economists and so on projecting at some point yeah. a downturn maybe second half of 19 many of us have projects that will be coming to completion in around that time frame so mm-hmm. the question is what are your thoughts on any structural steps that we could take as as developers as investors that might mitigate investors concerns around a downturn are there any things that we can do
1: no, this is let's back up a, okay a bit sure. at this point what you have is, the, is this is this is a problem that occurs any time that anybody wants to go into a business wants to build a building or wants to start something and mm-hmm. the question is what's the time frame until it becomes solid or is out and maybe that time frame can change and maybe there'll be a downturn after that at this you can't. If you listen to the pundits, and they have every right to say what they're saying, or feel that way about it, well, you'll, you'll do nothing. There's no structure at this point. The deal is good. I don't agree with the fact that they, what, what they're saying at all. No, the fourth quarter economic expansion. I don't think that the, the what's going on in the United States. We've seen the effect by any means. That I think the tax cut. That they have, especially for corporations is going to make a huge difference you're going to have a lot more in people getting investing' you have a lot more money that's going to be a i I don't see the uh, the downturn because I don't see any factors in the downturn and they don't see any factors in the downturn that they, that they can, that they can point to it's just just saying well it's been going on and we're in the fourth quarter so it it ought to go down yeah they can say the same thing with the stock market it's going to go down everybody's looking at the same thing but how do you know when you don't Understand in the stock market when somebody's buying a stock, somebody's selling it. The person that sells it doesn't think it's going to go up, and the person buying it doesn't think it's going to go down. But that's the risk that you take. And in, as far as the business is concerned, or, or I, don't, I don't see, I don't, I don't buy that. The, 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 there's definitely going to be a downturn enough so that I would change my investing philosophy to, to match it. And if you if you, you feel there's going to be a downturn. To deal with shorter, shorter-term projects. To deal with shorter-term projects, you can you can basically you know you can can hedge your loss shorter because you got a shorter term. But that doesn't mean you're right. You know, it could go on, and, and depending upon the nature of the project, you could be dead. You will be dead wrong, and it could be uh, something that's, that you thought that was the time to get out, but later on the cycle, basically, you know, you were wrong. So I don't, I don't, I don't buy the philosophy. That, yes, because there's been been an upswing, the fourth quarter of an upswing, that now we're going to have a downswing. I don't buy it. Eventually, yes, but there have to be a lot of factors that come point to it. And I can't, I haven't seen them. What are the factors? What are the factors that are pointing to a downturn that 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 you're going to point to? What, that you're going to say what? Unemployment? Employment? Salary? Income? What, Where? right right uh, if you had the the facts as they come up then you could make the decision but the facts are certainly not there this is just basically speculation or theory the same way that people were saying well the stock market's got to go down meanwhile look what's happened from the time it went down i mean what what are we we're 26000 you know it's just entirely different and keeps uh, you know rising because people think they, they basically say i think I think it's going to go. It's, it's doing well, and it's going to do better. And others think it's not, but that's the nature of uh, of the business. You can't you, you can't plan on something that's too far in advance. Yes, when you have facts and you see situations, you can go on a trend. But I don't see the trend here at this. the, the trend for going down. What are they pointing to? I haven't seen it. Have you? Tell me. Does anybody know what the trend is?
0: No, they're, they're, those they indicators there. indicators aren't
1: there?
0: I mean, all all that. Yeah. All the people point to is, you know, a trade deficit that's unsustainable.
1: No, but the trade deficit that's unsustainable, you're not looking at what happens now. How do you know the trade deficit is going to, is not going to be changed? Right. They're looking at it. If, if if in fact, you can say that that uh, you feel that, that Trump is going to solve or not help or is going to ameliorate the Trump deficit, the, the death of the trade deficit, well, certainly that's going to be good. Then the economy is going to go up. And there's, the signs are there. now. I haven't seen a situation where it's not going to be done. There's a lot of talk at this. I haven't seen it done, but who's to say it's to continue or it's going to be the way it is? Right. My feeling would be that there's going to be some changes, and there ought to be some changes. so I don't think they've seen a we've seen a high side at all, but I certainly don't see anything to see the low side.
0: okay, I appreciate the perspective okay, okay. The last question, and I think and you we... can't
1: mitigate their concerns
0: No, I guess you can't.
1: No, you can't at this point. Yeah. This is this is a, this is a, this is, a, this, is a, this is a gamble that they have in the stock market or in any business investment. The people that are in it think the business is going to go up. They think it's going to prove. The people that are they're not in it think it's a, they time they say trying to get out. But you have to have some facts under which you're basing your decision, not an emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's next?
0: Okay. Next. So the latest tax code has a provision for bonus depreciation that allows for up to 100% depreciation of certain asset classes in the year of acquisition. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and that's great, but the income generated in subsequent years will not have any depreciation to offset and you know we can certainly see uh, businesses becoming addicted to acquiring new assets for the sole purpose of taking that depreciation in year 1. And question is can that create a, a, an asset bubble where people are buying things not for the underlying fundamentals? but solely for their depreciation value. What are your thoughts? No,
1: no, no. That's not people are not buying it for just for depreciation value. The fact is you got the depreciation value gives you a, 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 a tax benefit. Yes. So now at that point you, your your income structure of goods is going to be higher in the in the first year or two years that you're writing off all these all the depreciation. And that's good. So it it it's at the time that you need it when you have a startup because you you basically put in all the items that you're now depreciating that when you have know, the cash flow to put that in and now you got the idea to write it off that makes it makes it easier for you you don't need cash flow in order to do it you're going to take a, take a tax benefit depreciation or writing off depreciation is never the reason for creating additional value or asset value it's just that it makes it it more desirable to start something up highly recommended and it's a wonderful opportunity, and they did the smart thing in that, that that you now have the right to write off a depreciation a business expense that you're putting into the company and you can write it off fairly quickly so that you you don't have to take cash or or and and use it for that because you've now got the benefit tax wise not a problem it helps the cash flow and makes the business makes the investment much more solid because you've 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 taken money. You've written it off, but you use that money or the, the whatever item you're depreciating to increase the value of your product or your, the value of your company.
0: Okay. 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 Got it. No problem. Well, I see say, we're at the top of the hour here. Yeah. So, as yeah, always, George, thank gone. you. Yes, thank you for the, for the wisdom. And uh, for those of you on the call, of course, there will be an email going out to everyone. The next call, I believe, let me just double-check the date here, is May the... I think it's May the eighteenth, but it'll go up it'll be going up by email. Great. And
1: Okay, good question. Very good questions tonight. Good, good, good. I hope you hope you learned something because I did too.
0: Thank you, George. It's actually May the sixteenth is the next call. May the sixteenth. And uh, an email okay. will be coming out to everyone. Okay. Thanks we, again, George. Thanks for okay. thanks for a great call.
1: You're welcome. Bye now. Right, right. bye for now. There's another monthly edition of the George Ross Mastermind. If you've got a question for George, just send an email to askgeorge at realestateguysradio.com. Make sure you get your questions in at least two days before the next mastermind. Successful syndicating.